Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Every day. Every day. We have a lunatic named Chris Russell that works for this radio station. I'm yeah, sure I know that guy. I'm sure you're familiar. I'm just curious what your opinion is on him. Well, <laughs> I never really liked Chris. Yeah. Really, anybody at the media at all, everybody who shreds me in the media, I'm not a big fan of. But No, Chris has always been pretty fair. I like Chris. All right, guys, we welcome you aboard. It is episode number 130 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Hope you all had a good rest of the Thanksgiving weekend and stayed safe. Um, Some bad weather all around, uh, depending on where you are listening, downloading, uh, and uh, being a part of this this journey, if you will. Uh, Hope you're safe and um, hope you guys didn't get too... Uh, hit too bad with uh, the bad weather. I'm about to drive through some of it uh, as I take my son back from Virginia to Ohio. So not looking forward to that at all. Uh, Also not looking forward to Monday night football a week from tonight in Philadelphia, where the Redskins will try and avoid their third consecutive loss and avoid going to 500 at six and six, which certainly is, Better than the alternative, I guess, and would still provide us with pretty much meaningful football the rest of the way. But clearly, the Redskins desperately need a win when you consider everything that has happened here in the last week or so, uh, and which includes, of course, losing to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day and the Cowboys themselves on a three-game winning streak, which includes wins, of course, over the Philadelphia Eagles on the road, the Washington Redskins, uh, and as well the um, um, well the Eagles, uh, the, the Redskins, uh, and then who did they beat in between? Um, it's slipping my mind. But anyway, you, oh, at the Atlanta Falcons, that's who it was. Um my bad on that. Um, but the bottom line is, is we now know that the Cowboys and the Redskins are tied record-wise for first place in the NFC East. Uh, heading into this upcoming week, the Redskins, again, have this extra time off in between. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, they have to get back at it pretty quickly, and they have certainly a tough task as they get set to host the 10-1 and New Orleans Saints. Now, you know, of course, the Saints are due for a bad game here and there, and you hope, if you're a Redskins fan, that it doesn't come this Thursday night because, again, while the Cowboys will play for a second consecutive week on Thursday night, much like they did last year when it was the Redskins in this particular spot a week after Thanksgiving, they're at least on a normal schedule, and they're not dealing with a short week while playing on a second consecutive Thursday night. Meanwhile, the Saints, you know, they, um, you know, they they come in uh, and and they played the same last Thursday night, much like what again happened last year with the Redskins. So, you know, they're on a normal week. But of course, now you go on the road and you take on this surging Dallas Cowboys team, uh, you know. Uh, certainly not a gimme by any means that the Redskins are going to get help from the New Orleans Saints, which most people are quite honestly counting on. Uh, The bottom line is, is the Redskins have to handle their own business at six and five. 
as they head to Philadelphia to take on the defending Super Bowl champions for the first time, who survived on Sunday uh, at Lincoln Financial Field uh, with a 25-22 win over the New York Giants to improve themselves to 5-6. and six. And they were down significantly uh, in this game where the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, but yet they find a way to come back and win and get a much needed win at home and again to improve to you know 5 and 6 and say whatever you want about the New York Giants they fought their asses off uh, but the bottom line is is it wasn't good enough as Jake Elliott's game winning field goal from 43 yards out uh, went in with 22 seconds left after the Giants had tied it at 22-22 uh, with about five minutes and 45 seconds left to go uh, in the fourth quarter and the Eagles now you know, get this win, and really, again, they were down significantly in this game, or as significant as a 19-3 deficit uh, could really count in today's NFL before they woke up just before the half. Now the Eagles start to feel like, okay, 5-6, and six, if we beat the Redskins at home on Monday night football with an extra day to prepare and our home crowd, and I'm sure the weather will be whatever the weather is, they're on their backup quarterback, if we can find a way to win that game, and especially if they can get a little bit of help from the New Orleans Saints, right, and say the Cowboys lose at home this Thursday night and drop to 6-6, six and six, and the Eagles then beat the Redskins, and the Redskins are 6-6, six and six, and oh yeah, by the way, the Eagles then are six and six. The Eagles would have tiebreaker advantage over the Redskins. The Cowboys would have tiebreaker advantage over the Eagles because, again, the Cowboys started this three game winning streak that they're on. So you could be looking at a record wise three way tie atop the leaderboard at the NFC East if. The Cowboys, again, lose at home to the New Orleans Saints this Thursday night. We'll know that well before. Uh, and, of course, again, if the Eagles, who beat the Giants 25-22 on Sunday afternoon, if the Eagles were to beat the Redskins and, again, hand the Redskins their third consecutive loss. Now, that's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of math that we still have to get to. But that is a very realistic and plausible Scenario. So the Eagles with uh, Adams taking over as their running back, 22, 84, and a touch on the ground. Uh, so that was good. Wentz, 20 of 28, touchdown, no picks, uh, 236, solid, good as always. Zach Ertz doing his thing as always, seven receptions, 91 yards, a touchdown. You know, Eagles, pretty good defense after they let Saquon Barkley run all over the place uh, for them. They did give up 412, uh, 402, rather, total net yards of offense. So that's certainly is high, including 126 on the ground, 276 uh, through the air. But if the Giants you know, didn't have 91 yards of penalties, uh, and if they could have carried the football a little bit more, they only had it for 27 uh, minutes and 22 seconds, despite running the ball pretty well, then this is a completely different result. This is a completely different result. Uh, for the New York Giants, who also threw uh, an interception. Eli Manning did uh, and um, did not lose any fumbles. But the bottom line is, is the Redskins getting no help on Sunday afternoon from the Philadelphia Eagles. Here's a novel concept. The biggest help that they can get, you know, like actually win a division game that you're probably not supposed to win. If we're being honest, you're not probably supposed to beat the defending Super Bowl champions at home on Monday Night Football, which has been a house of horrors for the most part for the Redskins um, over the years. 
in Philadelphia when they seem they seem to be starting to find themselves a little bit. Uh, again, seem uh, certainly they are not unbeatable by any means. A a good game here by the Washington Redskins, they can and should win, and they need to win as we just outlined. All right, so. That's the scenario that we find ourselves going into week 13 with. Again, just five more weeks of the regular season left to go, and it all starts this Thursday night with the Cowboys hosting the red-hot, amazing New Orleans Saints, but the Saints who are due for a letdown at some point. We'll have to see if the Redskins get some help in that regard, and then we'll have to see if the Redskins can help themselves a week from tonight when, they again, they visit the Philadelphia Eagles for the first of two matchups in the final five weeks of the season against the defending Super Bowl champions. All right. When we come back here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, we have a lot to get to, including our report card grades from Thanksgiving Thursday. They weren't good. We'll go unit by unit and rehash some of that. As well, we have to get into this mess of Alex Smith versus Colt McCoy. We'll explain more on that, as we go along here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, it is episode number 130. Good to have you aboard with us. I'm Chris Russell. Uh, thanks for being with us again. WrestleMania621 on Twitter, at WrestleMania621 uh, on Twitter. And you can email me, WrestleMania09 at gmail.com. Guys, also, the Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net. That's at Locked On NFL Net. And you get all of the Locked On Podcast Network local hosts covering their NFL teams on one feed. It's amazing during games, breaking news, you get local perspective. On Instagram, it's Locked On NFL Net, giving you the biggest stories in just one minute of your Instagram stories. Longer cuts on the biggest stories in the feeds. Make sure you follow at Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter, Twitter, not Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. First, guys, let me tell you about my bookie. My bookie is slammed with new betters. And they want to give everyone the best service possible. So I'm urging you to go to my bookie right now if you want a little bit of action. In-game, live betting over-unders, fantasy points scored, the most rewarding player perks in the business. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play. On deposits, over $100. Join now and... My bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar if you use the promo code. Now listen up here. If you use the promo code locked on 25, if you use the promo code locked on 25, and you go to my bookie online today, that's M Y B O O K I E, my bookie, and use the promo code locked on 25, you get. And create your account, you get the extra $25 for replay by using the promo code LOCKEDON25. Also, when you create your account, you can claim up to $1,000 in free play. It's up to you guys. Uh, I'd wait until after you have a little dinner, your tummy's happy, and then your bank account can be happy if you go to my bookie and tell them Locked on Redskins sent you. 
All right, guys, we welcome you back. It is episode number, again, 130 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Back on a hopefully normal schedule here as things start to settle down uh, in uh, my personal life, which uh, has been just, uh, as we explained late last week in a couple of episodes, just a uh, little bit of a, a sad um, odyssey. Well, a lot of it of, uh, of one. So hopefully we'll be back on uh, a, a pretty normal schedule uh, this week. Thanks again for checking us out and for downloading us uh, and for trying to make this bigger uh, each and every day. That's what we're aiming for. All right, let's get to the Redskins report card. Uh, and I do this weekly feature over at thefandc.com, which is the uh, radio station website for 106.7 The Fan, the radio station that you can hear me on in the Washington, D.C. area and uh, worldwide via radio.com, both the app and the browser. And I wanted to bring that kind of, you know, officially here. We usually do a unit-by-unit unit breakdown the night of the game, you know, and kind of go through it. Uh, but I don't really give out the grades, so I just wanted to kind of you know, go through that and, and kind of rehash some of what you may have missed and maybe not thought about. Maybe you wanted to bury it uh, over the last couple of days because uh, the Redskins were bad in so many different ways outside of one area uh, on Thursday in Dallas. And, you know, we spent the first segment talking about how they're going to have to find a way to help themselves which they did a pretty decent job of earlier in the year, but now things are starting to slip and get away, and we all know where this team is at at 6-5. and five. Uh, They're getting no help from the officials. The officiating was horrible uh, on Thursday. We discussed that in the Friday edition and therefore the weekend edition, uh, episode number 129, and go over it a little bit. But uh, I wanted to get to these grades because really – you know, I think you lose and I think you win because of what you are and what you do. Um, sure, bad officiating absolutely contributes to a loss or a win or some breaks or what have you. Uh, there is no doubt the game could have been, should have been different. But the bottom line is, is the Redskins did not do a lot of things right. And that's why they lost that game. On offense, I had them at a D minus, you know, again, traditional report card style, A, B, C, D, uh, E, or <laughs> A, B, C, D, and F. Let's try that again um, because nobody gives out an E grade. Uh, I gave them a D minus because I uh, want some variance in there for pluses and minuses. And the reason why I went with a D minus is, again, we all know what this offense is when they can't run the football uh, effectively. And once again, they couldn't really run the football effectively on Thursday against the Dallas Cowboys. Not that that surprised me in any way. The Cowboys are a pretty good run defense, but no Sean Lee. Uh, you thought maybe the Redskins would have had a little bit more success, and uh, that was not the case. Um, the bottom line is, is the reason why I went so low with the grade and I went actually lower 
with the offense's grade as opposed to the defense's grade, and we'll get to that in a sec, was because of the turnovers. I mean, all year long, right, this team, they hung their hat on the fact that, yeah, they weren't making a lot of plays, but they also weren't giving away a lot of games, and they weren't giving away a lot of plays. And, you know, the first game, full first full start, granted on a very, very short week with Colt McCoy, and I expect him to be better, of course, this upcoming Monday night in Philadelphia with plenty of opportunity to get starter reps and to prepare and so on and so forth and to have actually an, an extra day or so uh, to prepare for this mentally and physically. McCoy made some really, really, really good throws as we remember the wide open touchdown to Vernon Davis, the red zone th- score and dart to Trey Quinn. Uh, but those interceptions you just can't win when you can't run the ball when you can't get off the field uh in certain third down situations uh and and again we'll get to the defense uh in a sec but the Redskins need their offense not to be perfect nothing is going to be perfect but if they're not going to be able to run the football well and dominate and impose their will because of injury or because of matchup then they're going to need their offense to be proficient without being basically um you know to a point where where you you take one step back or forward and you take one and a half steps back and that's what it kind of felt like on Thursday in Dallas and what i meant by that was you know of course again we just highlighted the touchdowns that's great but the turnover on the second drive of the game was a terrible throw to Anthony Brown. Uh, just an underthrow, bad read, everything. And that kind of derails momentum because they were moving the football on that particular series. Who knows what it would have turned out to be, but clearly that took at least a potential of three points off the board. Then on top of that, When you look at Demarcus Lawrence making a great play, you know, okay, that's going to happen from time to time. But the bottom line is, is that's where Colt has to use his kind of athleticism and his kind of savvy to say, okay, Demarcus Lawrence didn't get cut down and he's now in my throwing lane. I have to figure out a way and, and, and maybe he couldn't. I assume he couldn't, uh, but I have to figure out a way to get it around Demarcus Lawrence, whether that's dropping down and dropping down the release point or eating that ball or whatever it might be. The bottom line is, is what you can't happen, what you can't have happen happened. And Demarcus Lawrence made a great, great play, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't a mistake made ultimately in the end by Colt McCoy. The third interception clearly was thrown behind Maurice Harris, which allowed the interception to happen. And we clearly understand there should have been a holding call or at least a defensive pass interference call. So it's hard for me to kill Colt McCoy for that particular throw and that particular turnover, but it's all part of it. And that's why you you kind of lower the, the Redskins offensive grade, not to mention Um, You know, they were kind of sluggish in terms of urgency, as they generally always are. And at the end of the first half, they killed off only 19 seconds of clock, three passing plays that didn't work. 
after their defense was on the field for a 14-play drive and 536. So that wasn't very good uh, there for the Washington Redskins. Now, I gave the defense, while giving the offense a D-, minus. I gave the defense a D. And again, I went slightly higher here, even though most people would probably say, well, the defense was worse than the offense. I don't know about that. Uh, the defense was good at times. The defense was horrendous at times. Uh, the horrendous part was they didn't force any turnovers. That's a problem uh, because they can't win uh, when that Dallas when they don't throw interceptions, they pretty much do not lose. And they allowed the two long touchdowns uh, because of bad positioning, bad tackling to Amari Cooper for 90 and 40 yards. They allowed Dak Prescott to throw for almost 100 more yards per game than basically what the Cowboys were averaging in terms of net passing yards coming in to the game, which was, I think, like 193 and change. So the bottom line is, is, the Redskins, when they have blitzed over the last couple of weeks, especially against Atlanta, uh, I saw it from time to time against Tampa Bay, and I saw it a couple of times against Dallas, and you saw it on the first drive where Dallas went through the Redskins' defense like it really wasn't even there. I mean, not that it was so easy, uh, but, I mean, they hooked up with third tight ends and fourth tight ends that I've never even heard of, quite honestly, for significant chunk plays. And then Ezekiel Elliott hammered them uh, on an inside zone run in which the Redskins were kind of blitzing off the edge. And again, that was a theme a couple of times in this particular game where the Redskins would get pinned uh, because of an outside pass rush and an outside blitz, and the Cowboys would just crease them right in the same hole that the blitz came from. And that happened twice on the first drive of the game, uh, and it happened one other time that I that I can remember off the top of my head, and I haven't even gotten through all the tape yet, so I'm sure I'll find more as we go along. The bottom line is, is the Redskins' defense tackled poorly. Uh, they didn't get home enough on blitzes when they blitzed. They certainly got some pressure, and they certainly got some sacks, but again, that was expected. This Cowboy offensive line, especially without Tyron Smith, is nowhere near the offensive line that everybody thinks it is and still thinks it is, and they haven't had Travis Frederick all season long. Uh, the bottom line is, is they were already somewhat shaky at right tackle and left guard. So now when you look at the landscape, no longer is this Cowboy offensive line, at least for now, a menacing or dominant threat, and yet they were still able to run the football whenever they needed to, still able to pre protect for Prescott when they needed to. Uh, and when the Redskins had an opportunity to bring him down, uh, remember when Prescott broke out of two, two potential sacks and still escaped for a short touchdown run? Yeah, I, I remember that. So, again, I probably could have gone lower with the defense. I guess I was somewhat generous and only gave them a D, uh, despite, again, playing a decent game at times and coming up with some big plays and some big sacks and uh, some big momentum-changing type plays there just wasn't enough on a day where their offense needed more help. And I realize, and I understand that's not fair, but you can't give up 90-yard touchdowns. You just can't, period. Even to Amari Cooper, you can't. The best unit of the day, and it's been the unit that has been so good, you know, for the entire year, quite honestly, as the special teams gave them a B plus, uh, again, on my, fan, uh, on my uh, report card on the fandc.com. Um, 
I gave them a B plus only because Dustin Hopkins missed an extra point, which ultimately did not have a whole lot to do with the final result of the game. Uh, but the Redskins special teams were great. Quinn had a 30-yard punt return that set up his touchdown. Danny Johnson had a huge kick return for 44. I mean, they just have not gotten this kind of production in the run game. So hopefully that's something good moving into December, if they can count a little bit on that. Tressway was great as usual, 45-6 average, uh, and Hopkins was fine outside of the missed uh, extra point. And I gave coaching a C, and the way I kind of worded this was, you know, look, Kind of unfair to hang Jay Gruden uh, here and his staff with such little time to prepare. I mean, they have more time to prepare, uh, you know, mentally and I guess plan wise because they're really not able to be on the field a whole lot during a short week like this uh, because the players just can't recover from the loss against the Houston Texans and they're basically going through, uh, you know, kind of glorified walkthroughs. Um, we all know that, you know, this team has some issues in some common areas that seem to be a problem week in, week out, clock management, timeout usage, lack of, uh, I guess, uh, urgency, that type of thing. And that's where you have to kind of whack Jay Gruden a little bit. We all know he's not this great play caller that an Andy Reid is, that a Doug Peterson is and has been, uh, that other great, brilliant offensive minds like Sean McVay, his former offensive coordinator, seem to be. Now, they have more talent, so you have to factor that in. Um, again, I mentioned Minuski and the blitzing uh, and the issues there. That has been a problem over the last month. Uh, again, bad tackling, the big plays against Cooper and Kutwika, uh, Ben Kutwika's special teams. Uh, and, you know, again, they've been the best unit on this team for probably seven weeks running now, uh, and I'm not going to change on that. All right, we'll come back and we'll finish it up with a quick note on the quarterbacks, uh, and we'll save more of that as we go throughout the week because hopefully we'll have some Jay Gruden uh, thoughts on that as well as the Redskins get back to work on Monday at Redskins Park and then in earnest on Wednesday as they prepare for the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. This is the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you aboard with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is episode number 130. And guys, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now. As you know, podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their podcast. Our demographic, 98% males, more education and earning more than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. We need you. Email me at russellmania09 at gmail.com, russellmania09 at gmail.com, and I'll get you all the details. Guys, we welcome you back. It is episode number 130 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Good to have you aboard with us. We're going to wrap this up and keep this somewhat short, but this is kind of newsworthy uh, and timely, and we never were able to get to at least one portion of it. Uh, but on Sunday afternoon, ESPN's Adam Schefter put out a report that Alex Smith and his return to the Redskins and therefore football is quote-unquote not a certainty, but there is optimism that the Washington Redskins quarterback will return from the spiral fracture uh, in his leg in which the bone broke through the skin, uh, according to ESPN sources. So 
we know that it was going to be uh, basically on the original timeline, six to eight months on the rehab. Now, Jay Glazer of Fox and NFL Network reported that it was eight to 10 months from what he was being told. Jay Gruden was very, uh, I guess, kind of like, hey, don't quote me on this. Leave me out of this. This is just what I heard. You know, that type of thing. Jay is not good at this stuff. Uh, the bottom line is, is we all know that this is a significant injury and what kind of impact it has on Alex Smith, assuming that he comes back, assuming that he can come back, uh, it is going to take him a while to get to where he was physically uh, and how much that affects his ability to break the pocket and extend plays, which was a huge part of the reason why the Redskins made the trade for him, remains definitely uh, to be seen. And I would be very, 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 very concerned about that if I was the Washington Redskins and Jay Gruden. And I'm sure they are in the back of their mind. Now, the other component to the story is that Colt McCoy and the contract that he signed certainly allows himself to have a little bit of freedom or an extra payday Now that he's going to, we presume, if he doesn't get hurt, start the final six games, he's already started one, of the regular season. Uh, According to Ian Rampaport of NFL Network and NFL Media, you know, McCoy signed this one-year extension worth up to $7 million that he signed, like, right as training camp was basically opening up. And in it, he has the option of voiding the final year of the contract to become a free agent, meaning what he signed as an extension for 2019, he can void if he hits certain parameters. And basically, the long and the short of it is that if if Colt McCoy starts the final six games of the year, according to what the contract terms were when he signed, and again, this is being reported by Rappaport, and I remember certainly seeing a bunch of this, uh, that as long as he reaches the playtime incentive of 25 to 30%, that gives him the right to void that 2019 uh, contract, again, the final year of the deal. He's currently st- st- uh, on the books to make $3.5 million next year with $2 million of it fully guaranteed. Now, if he tries to void the deal and tries to become a free agent, the Redskins can buy back that final year of the deal meaning uh, 2019 next year, by giving McCoy a raise. As Rappaport says, and this was what I was not aware of, they can pay for him not to be a free agent by handing him anywhere from $750,000 to a max of $4 million for a total salary of $7.5 million. So again, the Redskins can make McCoy worth $7.5 million as opposed to the $3.5 million that he's currently on the books for, which would be, of course, a significant uptick in terms of the bonus or the cap money, the cap figure, and when you combine that all with Alex Smith's money, which is going to count one way or the other, uh, provided that he doesn't retire, that is going to be a really, really, really tough pill for the Redskins to swallow. So again, the Redskins would have that option, as would Colt McCoy, assuming that, again, he hits all of these incentives to buy back, but they could also walk away. They could also say, eh, 
you know, thanks. We're not paying seven, seven and a half million or six million or whatever it might be for a quarterback we don't think is quite honestly worth it. And we're going to take our chances on a veteran backup quarterback. And as we see around the NFL, there's guys that can come in and do a decent job for a couple of weeks here and there. And, you know, again, there are going to be options. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he might be an option, um, depending on what ha- happens in Tampa Bay. I mean, Jameis Winston might be an option, depending on, again, on what happens in Tampa Bay. Um, so there is a myriad of different options that the Redskins have. But the bottom line is, is it's either going to cost them a lot more money for McCoy, assuming that he meets his playtime incentives this year and stays healthy, which is not uh, a definite safe assumption, or the Redskins are going to have a different veteran backup quarterback next year when all along we kind of thought, eh, you know what, Cole McCoy is going to be fine. He's going to be here for 2019 as well. So that kind of puts a bow on that, something certainly for us to monitor moving forward. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Redskins podcast uh, for episode number 130. Thanks, as always, for being with us. More content to come uh on the next episode we'll definitely hear from head coach jay gruden as he'll uh, be back meeting with the media if not gruden uh, players the redskins kind of do things weird with the amount of times that media can speak to the head coach so uh, we will have that for you coming up throughout the week as we get you set for the washington redskins and the philadelphia eagles on monday night football thanks for being with us everyone have a great start to the week and be safe out there adios walmart plus members save on meeting up with friends save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups that's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier plus members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods plus when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship start a show together with your included paramount plus subscription walmart plus members save on this plus so much more Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.